It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, local experts on the biggest stories. You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Sam Ekstrom, Sage Rosenfels, February 12th, episode 371. It's the off-season grind really beginning. Week number two with no football to speak of. So we're going to talk a little bit more national stuff. We're going to hit on the big headlines. And, and of course, we do have an occasional Vikings nugget to deliver. And I think the big one on this day is that the Vikings love Kevin Stefanski so, so much that they have declined his chance to become the offensive coordinator with the New York Giants, which contractually is definitely within their right. What do you think the majority of teams would do in this situation, Sage Rosenfels? Would they allow the interview or would they keep their guy at home? You know, I think it's 50-50, and, and I understand both sides of it. Obviously, Stefanski would like to be a coordinator and at some point in time, I'm sure, head coach in the National Football League and the team that has his contract right the Vikings you know they really like him and they like him as a quarterback's coach right now and my guess is at some point they'll like him as an offensive coordinator but uh you know now is not that time so they're not willing to you know, just give him up for you know really no compensation or anything and just have him go somewhere else I think they feel like they've invested in him a lot and and uh it's it's been a great relationship for 12 years now so uh you know Pat Shermer uh was sort of waiting to to see if he could get him you know see if the Vikings hired a coordinator uh, to then take Stefanski, but it looks like the Vikings have, you know, said no to that. I do find it interesting with the Frank Reich hire yesterday. I'm sure we'll get to that by the Indianapolis Colts, but you know, now the the Philadelphia Eagles are without their coordinator and quarterbacks coach. And if, you know, the way the way timing works in the NFL, let's just say Frank Reich gets that coordinator job a week ago. Filippo uh, stays in, in Philadelphia. Now, do the Vikings have Kevin Stefanski as their offensive coordinator? We'll, we'll never know. But timing is, is an interesting thing in the National Football League. Yeah, that's an amazing domino effect. You're right. Well, I think the Vikings might be anticipating the future domino effect here because look at Filippo's career arc. He's basically never stayed anywhere longer than three years. I mean, he is a he's definitely climbing that ladder. He's a riser. And granted, some of those departures have been because of just bad coaching situations where the head coach got fired and the staff got let go. But here he is in Minnesota, probably one step away from being a head coach. He already got some head coach steam this offseason. And the Vikings might be thinking to themselves, if we hold on to Kevin Stefanski one more year, Filippo up and leaves, Kevin Stefanski is the logical chain of succession. So we may as well at least open up that possibility for next offseason. And then uh, if, if Filippo stays, you know, then Stefanski can go where he wants. But it does seem like sort of an insurance policy on Filippo who – may have a desire to get that head coaching gig. Yeah, I just think the, the Vikings just likes the fans in general. They like having them, uh, you know, on their team, uh, in their office, day-to-day. Uh, they're just not willing to give him up. So, you know, I guess it's a win for the Vikings. It's a, You could say it's unfortunate for Stefanski as he uh, doesn't have a chance to move up the chain. But, uh, you know, long-term, you, know, you never know. It might be the best thing for him. He might be the next head coach in the Minnesota Vikings. We have, no, you know, no idea what's going to happen down the road. But, uh uh, looks like Pat Shermer's going to have to go in another direction. 
Uh, looks like a Rick Spielman and, and the crew are, are going to keep their core bass coach at home uh, for, for the, at least the short term. And my guess is Spillane's is going to get a pay raise here or some sort of extension, uh, you would think, unless he doesn't want one, unless he just wants to write out his contract and, and go somewhere and be a head coach soon. soon. So he has a decision to make there as well. So, um, you know, sort of a much ado about nothing, I guess, at the end of the day. Not a lot of big changes here, but uh, it is an interesting scenario because, you know, the way coaches' contracts are different than players' contracts and allowing people to leave and, you know, this, that, and the other. Uh, it is a fascinating situation up there with the offensive coordinator, quarterback's coaching job with the Vikings. Well, the, the stability within their careers between Stefanski and Filippo has been wildly different. Like, Stefanski's been in one place basically for 12 years, which is unheard of in the NFL. Meanwhile... Thinking back to John DeFilippo's conference call on Friday, he said that he's moved in his life 18 or 19 times, going back to when his dad was a coach slash uh, AD at the college level, moved around five, six times when DeFilippo was a kid, and then he went to James Madison uh, for college. And from there, you know, he's he's been at nine different locations. I think he's had 11 different job positions within those spots. Bang, 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 you know, college, pro, college, back to pro, all over the place. But he did say something interesting that he feels like that's more of a benefit than a hindrance, even though he hasn't really gotten settled. He does feel like he's met a lot of people. He's had to put himself out there. He's learned a lot from being in different spots. You know, do you think there's some merit to that being in so many different locations and just picking people's brains for that many years? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I look at my career and I bounced around to five different teams. So over the course of 12 years, I look at, you know, guys like Doug Peterson, who also bounced around to different teams. You have different coaches, coordinators, quarterbacks, you, you, you hear different philosophies, you meet a lot of people within the industry. Uh, but there's also something about, you know, loyalty. That's what Stefanski has. He has, he has had loyalty to the Vikings. Uh, and, and he has decided just not to up and move somewhere else. He, he has stayed there and the Vikings have wanted him to stay there. Uh, and, and, you know, when, when, Brad Childers got fired. Uh, the Vikings uh, had Leslie Frazier hire him when Leslie Frazier got hired, uh, or uh, when he got fired. Uh, they, I think they basically, you know, said to uh, Mike Zimmer, like, "We we really want want this Stefanski kid somewhere on your staff. We'd like to keep him," and and he did. So uh, obviously, the the Vikings feel very good about their uh, about the loyalty they have with their you know quarterbacks coach. And you know, there's a lot of ways to do it. I know personally, uh, bouncing around to five different teams, it was very very hard to do that. You know, the moving, the transitions, the, uh, you know, new house, the meeting new people all the time uh, and never really building those deep bonded relationships. Uh, you know, that could be a challenge as well. So uh, if I had to do it all over again, I think it'd be, you know, it would be much uh, a better experience to try to stick to one or two teams for longer periods. Mm-hmm. The move you mentioned earlier was the Frank Reich to Indianapolis. And considering that Indianapolis feels like they got screwed a little bit in this deal and they had to start their coaching search sort of at the 11th hour. They got a pretty good hire. Frank Reich's coming off a Super Bowl championship and he's well-respected. He's been a coach for about a decade. He's coached quarterbacks. He's coached wide receivers. He's been an OC and now he's a head coach with the Colts. That seems like a really good deal to me. And also if he is indeed going to be coaching Andrew Luck, and I know there's questions about Andrew Luck's health, but it seems like a good pairing to have a, a former quarterback going with Andrew Luck and trying to kind of get him back on track. Well, and a guy who, you know, him, he and Doug, Frank Reich and Doug Peterson seem to have very similar histories. You know, a long time, I think 14, 15 years as pretty much a backup quarterback, bouncing around the leagues, a couple of different teams, and then 
you know, get into the coaching game after their career ends. And, and uh, you know, and they, they both had a ton of success this last year working with a, a young, talented quarterback in Carson Wentz and then the playoffs working with, with Nick Foles to bring that Super Bowl home. So, you know, if, if you're sort of looking for the next Doug Peterson, I guess, you know, Frank Reich is the, the easiest choice to try to find that next, next uh, guy who's been all over the place and create a system uh, where their quarterbacks can have, you know, success. And whether it's Andrew Luck or, you know, Jacoby Brissett, you know, played surprisingly uh, really well last year. You know, he, he, he played well on a bad football team. So uh, they have, you know, really two pretty good quarterbacks there in Indianapolis. Uh, the, you know, really the question is you wonder if, uh, if Anderson Luck, or, uh, Andrew Luck is going to be, you know, healthy this year or not. Yeah, the Colts just need to draft better to get that team turned around, I feel like. You know, for all those years, they they had a pretty good offense with luck, but the defense was lackluster. So then they would go out in these early rounds, and it seemed like they were always drafting offense, offense, offense. They never built the defensive side around luck, and then it finally kind of came back to bite them two years ago. And then obviously luck missed the whole season. That was kind of a big mess, and and now they're in disarray. I believe in 2016 – in 2016, uh, two years after the 2014 draft, uh, in, that tw- in that 2014 draft, I believe no players that were drafted that year were still on the team two years later. They'd all been cut uh, or even traded or whatever, uh, but uh, or just didn't make the team. But um, yet two to three years after a draft, none of those guys were, were left on the team, and you just can't have that. You just can't. I mean, a, a good drafting team you're going to have misses if you have you know six to eight picks or whatever you're going to have a miss here and there uh, but you should definitely have you know two three four guys that last for you know six or eight or ten years in the league uh, if you have a solid draft and, and they did that, they definitely did not have that Hi, this is David Locke, the CEO of the Lockdown Podcast Network. In this crazy, unprecedented, and unnerving time, I know we're all living our lives a little differently. I thought we had some of our sponsors over the time that might be able to help you out. So we've reached out to them to get you specific offers. Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for their first seven days. Start your free deliveries, download the Postmates app, and use the promo code LOCKEDONNBA. Anxiety, stress, need something to calm yourself down? The Calm app is available for you. 40% off to our listeners at calm.com slash locked on NBA. Stuck at home, want fitness? Echelon Fit has been a sponsor of ours. And you can go to echelonfit.com slash L-O-N-B-A. And if you're looking to add some new knowledge and get a little smarter in your free time, Masterclass, or at least your time at home, masterclass.com slash P-E-R is offering 15% off. If you missed any of those, go to LockdownPodcast.com slash offers. That's LockdownPodcast.com slash offers. Thank you very much for tuning in to Lockdown Podcast Network. We hope to be here for you to give you a relief and uh, respite from all the other news. And thanks very much. Be safe and practice your social distancing. Well, a guy who was taken in the 2014 draft, Johnny Manziel, is back in the news. He talked to ABC's Good Morning America, said that a couple revelations here. Number one, says that he's been diagnosed with depression and bipolar disorder. So those are both, you know, some serious mental health issues that I think you know, people are sort of coming to, to become more aware that, that these are really life-changing issues. And some of the behavior that Manziel showed, uh, the drinking and the partying, he says is sort of a side effect of that. He was trying to self-medicate with alcohol, says he's sober now and wants to play football again. His play on the field aside, which I know wasn't very good what he showed, do you, do you think anybody will give him another chance to rehabilitate his career? Or will they look at the film and say, well, 
even if he is sober, we don't think he's good enough to, to play football in the NFL. I think that he's going to have to go to Canada and prove it uh, the way a lot of uh, uh, quarterbacks have done in the past. You know, he obviously he reminds you of Doug Flutie in a lot of ways, who started his career in the NFL, uh, didn't really get much playing time, and ended up going to Canada and having, uh, you know, probably the, the greatest career in the history of Can- the Canadian Football League. And then he went back to the NFL. So, uh, I think he's got to go up and prove it in Canada. He has a different game, different skill set. Obviously, the smaller guy, he runs around a lot. Uh, but I think he's going to – and that would be a great place for him to go up there uh, and prove it and, uh, and show the NFL that he can play. Because if he can, I promise you the NFL would be interested if he goes up there and you know, after, say, two or even three years, puts up really big numbers and, and uh, you know does everything right off the field, doesn't get in trouble and all those types of things and really does you know show his, his, uh, his growth – uh, as a person, uh, I'm sure the NFL would be interested. I just don't think he has the skill set uh, necessary to be an NFL quarterback. He doesn't have that strong of an arm. Uh, you just can't run around that much uh, in the NFL like you do in college. The defenses are just too fast and too good, and you get hurt. And uh, I just, you know, he, 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 I don't think he's that. He doesn't have that that NFL sort of skill set, and uh, he doesn't have that big of an arm or anything like that. But you know, Flutie had all those things said about him too. But Flutie was a guy who just found ways to win. So Johnny Manziel can go up to Canada and just find ways to win uh, and, and play championship-level football. And my guess is that someone in the NFL would be interested in at least bringing him on board uh, as a backup or something. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see what a focused, sober Manziel could accomplish because I think the poor play definitely was compounded by the fact that he was out late on weekends. You know, I think there was a time when he was, like, partying on a Friday or Saturday and then was trying to play Sunday. He was missing meetings, people said. He was showing up drunk. And that's probably going to affect your preparation and your focus on game days. So maybe a focused Manziel gets a little more diligent as a student of the game and finds a way to rehabilitate his career, which uh, would be a good story because the, the amount of hype and a buzz around him in 2014. Imagine if the Vikings had taken it. Imagine running that back. If the Vikings take Manziel with whatever pick it was, number 11, I think, how different things would be. You know, who who knows? Maybe he doesn't get in the same trouble in Minnesota. Maybe he does. But that's just a fascinating alternative reality, wouldn't it be? Yeah, I think he was a guy that was going to get in trouble no matter where he went. And he needed that wake-up call. And it looks like it looks like he's gotten it, but you just you just don't know. So, I, I you know, I wish him nothing but success, uh, in particular that – he has, you know, some personal issues and some mental issues, and you hope he can overcome those and and uh, you know grow up to uh, have a have a nice life. But uh, obviously, he, he did not take the mo- make the most of his opportunity the first time uh, he had a chance at the NFL. Yeah. All right. Last headline that caught my eye over the weekend: Lane Johnson, the tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles, in an interview, I think it was with uh, the Barstool Sports podcast. He called the Patriots a fear-based organization and he said something along the lines that i'd rather win one title and have fun than win five and go through whatever they go through i don't know how much truth there is to that because i know johnson i think he's talking from perception he's talking from the outside looking in i don't think he's been a part of that organization that being said you know with mike zimmer for instance he's kind of got this hard exterior like belichick but you hear everybody say oh he's he loves you he's got these soft moments he's really a sensitive funny guy you don't hear as much of that from New England. You don't often hear people say, yeah, Belichick, he's just a cuddly guy on the inside. I think he pretty much the, the stern kind of disciplinarian that he, he comes across as. And and uh, maybe there's some truth to that, that the machine that we consider the New England Patriots might not be as rosy on the inside as it appears. 
Well, yeah, from everything I've heard, that it's miserable playing for the Patriots. The only thing that's not miserable is that you win every day. I mean, you saw that at the end of the season, there's a you know a, a blizzard blowing through Foxborough, and they're outside practicing, and it's like the bye week. I mean, that's just miserable. What's the point of that? And, uh, and I don't think that creates toughness. It's just a uh, head coach that uh, you know just wants things done a certain way. I think Parcells, in a lot of ways, was really, really tough to play for. Uh, and I think guys go to doing because they want to win. Uh, but uh, actually going there is is not a great experience. It's a, it's a very, you know, football coaches can be a lot of different ways. I remember when the Patriots played the Seahawks a few years ago in the Super Bowl, and you had really two opposite types of head coaches. You know, Pete Carroll is this positivity type of head coach and compete and, and this atmosphere of expressing yourself and being yourself, and that's the best way to uh, uh, play at a high level is if you, you know, feel good about who you are and, and, and all these types of things. And Belichick is 180 degrees the, the other uh, direction. So um, I, I totally understand what Lane Johnson's talking about, where he's coming from. Uh, there's, there was head coaches that I played for that seemed like them just make the life sort of miserable for you and, and beat the crap out of you in practice. And other ones where you could not wait uh, to, uh, to, you know, to play on Sundays and, and you, didn't, you didn't play well uh, because you were, you know, out, out of fear feel a failure is more you played well because you, you wanted to win. And I always think that's, uh, you know, that's a better way to go. So I, I think a lot of players who, you know, when Bill, when Bill Belichick retires, I think you're going to see some, some players um, come out and, and uh, have interesting opinions about what it was like to play for him. I'm sure most to be positive, uh, but I bet you we find some people who will, will say some shocking things about how challenging he was to be a, as a, as a, as a player to you know play for him as a head coach. I'd certainly give my recommendation to watch the two Bills, to anyone listening, the two Bills, the 30 for 30 with Parcells and Belichick in the same room, just hashing out sort of their career, which obviously intersected for many years in New York, Giants and Jets, actually. They kind of followed each other around, and Belichick was the pupil, Parcells was the teacher, and Parcells, you see a little bit, I think, of why Belichick is the way he is because Parcells was tough. Now, Parcells was probably a little more gregarious and a little more outgoing with the media especially, but he did not mess around, and neither does Belichick. And he's, yeah, I don't think anybody would call him really a social guy. Like, even when he was young, a special teams coordinator with the Lions, he wasn't really an outgoing individual. He kept to himself. He was all about his work, and that sort of followed him all the way to the top, and he's probably gotten even a little more closed off than he used to be and you know now you start hearing these rumblings of a rift with Kraft and a rift with Brady and to simplify it it kind of to me it feels like when you're around each other that long uh you're gonna have issues you're gonna have conflict especially when you're you know performing at that high level for that long egos get involved and I feel like any rumors of of you know that splitting up the organization they'd rather win right they'd rather win then let something like that split them up, even if it comes at a cost of, you know, being miserable. Yeah, and I, I know this. When I played for the New York Giants, uh, I remember talking to somebody within the organization who had been there for you know, 35 years or something. They said that Belichick was an absolute miserable human being. I think that was the actual quote. He's a miserable human being. So <laughs> I think that's just what we're dealing with. Now, he wins. He's, he's brilliant. He's very, very, very smart football-wise. Um you know, and he obviously has like the sort of the secret sauce and, and the recipe that works for them. The question is, you know, what, what happens if he doesn't have Tom Brady? What happens if Tom Brady doesn't have him? I mean, I think those two, uh, obviously, they find a way to work together and um, and they find a way to win and they, they, they win every year. And I think as of right now, you got to think they'll probably be in the AFC championship game next year, if not the Super Bowl. 
I think if they adapt uh, a new version of the movie, The Christmas Story, with like Ebenezer Scrooge, wouldn't it be appropriate to have Belichick as Scrooge, like, you know, Josh McDaniels as Bob Cratchit, just trying to get home on Christmas and... I feel like Belichick could play that role pretty well. Yeah, he seems like about that perfect character, that Bill Murray character uh, from back in the day. Yeah, perfect. Well, uh, we squeezed 20 minutes out of that. Good show, Sage. We'll talk to you again on Wednesday, and we'll have a hopefully a whole new set of NFL issues to go over. Sounds good, and I'm going to, you know, as this offseason unfolds here and we get closer and closer to the combine the next few weeks, I'm going to start looking at these college quarterbacks. I know – I know the Vikings aren't, uh, you know, probably interested in drafting any of these guys, but I want to break them down and talk about them. Everyone always is interested, but those guys come up in the draft and where they may end up, um, and uh, and obviously some other players the Vikings might be interested in as we get closer to this. I said the, the combine and the draft in the coming months. Yep, everybody's talking about those big four quarterbacks: Allen, Rosen, Darnold, Mayfield. Uh, it'll be fun to dig into that a little bit. He said Rosenfeld. I'm Sam Ekstrom. It's Locked On Vikings on the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, sports fans. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves podcast on the Locked On NBA Network. The Wolves might be in the middle of what's turned out to be a pretty miserable season, but there's still plenty to talk about. From the aftermath of the trade deadline to looking ahead at what moves Gerson Rosas and the front office might be planning for the summer to the possibility that all-star snub Carl Anthony Towns could go off on any given night, it's still going to be a fun spring. Tune into Locked on Wolves daily, Monday through Friday. I'm Ben Beacon with Locked on Wolves, and we'll catch you next time.